0: You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2022 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the privilege we have to study and open your word. Thank you for those who are here. Thank you for those who are on their way. May you speak to us mightily through the power of Holy Scripture, through the spirit of prophecy, which we believe is a guiding source for us today. A guiding authority for us today. And Lord, we have special insight there. And it always points back to the Bible. So we want to hear the Bible speak today. Not what's popular, not what's cultural, but what is true. And we know that the Scripture is true. So don't just speak to our minds today, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Don't just speak to our hearts, Lord. Transform our hearts. And may we be every moment of every day found to be new creatures in Christ, born again with Your Spirit pervading in our hearts and in our lives today, making us more and more like Jesus until we become just like Him. So this is our prayer this morning, and I pray it also for my friends here, those that are watching online. And we ask this and thank You for it ahead of time. In Jesus' name, let everyone say, Amen. By the way, I haven't done this, but those of you that are watching online, we thank you for joining us wherever you are in the world today. And we want to encourage you to share these messages with your friends. Those of you that are here as well, they have posted various means that you can do that, but share those things with your friends. If you have friends you feel like would be a benefit to it. So let's dive in spiritualism and witchcraft in the Old Testament. So, we saw yesterday, from yesterday's message, that the, there's a bottom line here with spiritualism, especially in the church. But I want you to see this. I'm going to read it because I these are my own words, but I want to make sure that I'm pretty clear about this. The most baseline and fundamental form of spiritualism is any form of disobedience to God. Would you, would you agree with that based on what we've studied? That's the baseline. Now, it, 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 it kind of begins to to branch out into speaking to the dead and occult and all these things. But the bottom line is, we saw from Genesis, that spiritualism is disobedience. And disobedience is spiritualism. We think that we will arrive at some higher place through exercising our own will rather than choosing God's will. Believing our own words rather than His word and lifting up ourselves rather than lifting up Christ. In doing so, we replace the God of heaven with the little God of who? Self. And you know, we often as Adventists, we will will love to shout from the rooftops about the antichrist of Bible prophecy. And I say that, and when, when I say it that way, some of you might think, well, maybe are we not supposed to do that? Yes, we are. But we love to do that Well, at the same time, we're setting ourselves up as little popes. See what I'm saying? When we stray away from God and do our own thing, we become a little pope ourselves. you see. And so we can proclaim that over there while still doing this over here. We can be trying to call people out of Babylon while Babylon still exists in our hearts. See? Jesus said that to the Pharisees. You love to pray in the public places. You love to, to, to say this and that in, in in front of the congregation. You love to do the Scripture reading in the synagogue. He says, but you're whitewashed tombs. Now, I'm not calling you whitewashed tombs today. I'm just telling you what Jesus said to them. Well, the point is, Paul said once again, let us take heed lest we want, lest we fall. We can get spiritual pride about these kind of things and think, well, I don't practice spiritualism all those witches and warlocks, they're going straight to hell. Well, at the same time, our hearts are disobedient and rebellious towards God and some of the most basic fundamental beliefs of Christianity. How many of you think that's possible in our world today? How many you think that's possible even in the Adventist church? Oh, absolutely. So we approach this topic very humbly recognizing that we need Jesus in our hearts. We need Him to uh, bring humility And we need Him to bring understanding to us that we also uh, may not uh, fall into the same pit that we would examine ourselves. Amen? So let's not serve the God of self today. Again, we saw that all through biblical history, but we see it in modern times as well today. The common denominator in the act of worshiping nature and using spiritual forces to get results. That's the common denominator. It is the ultimate manifestation of the worship of self and self-exaltation. Rather than looking and ruling over nature for the glory of God, we seek to manipulate nature for the glory of ourselves. That's the bottom line of spiritualism. So we saw that very much involved with uh, spiritualism is contacting the dead. And what did we see the Bible says about that? Very clear about that. As Adventists, we know that. Uh, But there's very subtle forms today that are, are, are leaking right into the church and into the daily lives of God's people. But Leviticus 19.31, I'm just going to read two verses from this. We looked at a number of them yesterday. Give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. So period, mediums, familiar spirits, any form whatsoever of contacting the dead, what does it do to your Christian experience? What's that word it uses? The D word? It defiles it. It doesn't say you may do this, but not that. It doesn't say, go ahead and do this, but here's the line that you must not cross. It says, do not engage in it. That includes any television program, any movie, any book, any video game that has even the remotest hint of those things. And I'm saying that strongly to you today. And I'm going to touch more on this tomorrow. But the reason I say it is, you're saying, oh, well, if you're saying Casper the ghost is bad. I'm not saying Casper the ghost is going to make you demon-possessed. But what I am saying with all confidence, authority, and fact, is that Casper the ghost is a gateway into the next thing. And, it's, and then that thing leads you to the next thing. And before you know it, you're walking around possibly with things following you that you don't want to follow. you. Does that make sense? And so God says don't mess with it at all. We cannot afford to risk ourselves being the deciding factor in this. We are not the authority. Once again, If the devil was able to convince a third of the angels of heaven and he was able to deceive Eve who was in perfection with all the mental, physical, emotional and spiritual uh, faculties intact and all those thought processes working as they should, as God designed them to be. If he was able to deceive them, what makes you think in today's world when Jesus says at the end of time, It will be worse than it's ever been and that even if possible, the elect would be deceived. What makes you think that you can discern how much is too much? Let me tell you, you have no ability to do that whatsoever and that's why God has made it easy for us. You know, what I've found throughout Scripture is that God always seems to make it easy for His people. How do you think that's the truth? He just makes it easy. He said to Adam and Eve, here's a tree, don't touch it. If you touch it, you die. He didn't wrap it in some complicated philosophy or education or whatever. He just said, there's a tree, don't eat it. He said to his people, leave Egypt, walk through the Red Sea. All throughout Scripture, God makes it easy. I could give you example after example. And in the last days, God says, it's easy, just don't touch it. Oh, but our carnal natures are drawn close. Our carnal natures seek after. And God says, Bring your nature under control of my spirit. Amen. Yield your will to me, and you won't have those. You may still have the temptation, but the temptation is going to get weaker rather than stronger. Amen. He goes on Leviticus chapter 20, verse 27 A man or a woman who is a medium or has a familiar spirit shall surely be put to what? be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. Now, how many of you are attending Elder Gallimore's seminar in the afternoon? Uh, Just a few of you. He talked yesterday about the anger of God. And he said, why is the anger of God prevalent? The anger of God is against sin. It's against the destruction of His people. And the anger of God in Scripture is proportionate to the love that He has for His people. Isn't that a beautiful thought? I didn't come up with that thought. I do had that thought. I'm just repeating it. But the anger of God against sin is proportionate to His love for His people. What is the level of His love for His people? It's infinite because He died for us. And so the anger that He has towards sin which destroys His people would also be pretty high, wouldn't you say? And so there's, when God uh, takes extreme measures against something like this in Scripture it is because he is guarding his people from widespreadness. That person that is engaging in the medium and the Spirit, they've already given themselves over to it. See? There's, there's, for many of them, there's no turning back. I'm not saying for all of them, but for many of them. And so he eliminates the threat to the rest to keep it from plaguing everybody else. How do you think that's a fair thing to do? You won't find a more fair person than God. But what does the Bible say? We saw this yesterday. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 5 and 6. The living know that they will die, but the dead know not what? The dead know not anything. We studied about Saul when his, his very last act of, of disobedience towards God was engaging in witchcraft. Engaging and communicating with the dead. 1 Samuel chapter 28. If you weren't here yesterday, we studied through this chapter. But there was a statement that I skipped over yesterday about Saul that I wanted to read here for you. Well, here's first the verse. First Chronicles 10, verse 13. It says, So Saul died for his unfaithfulness which he had committed against the Lord because he did not keep the word of the Lord. And notice this. <clears throat> it's very interesting. And the Bible does this more than once. I said this yesterday, but it was so important. I'm saying it again. It says he died for his unfaithfulness and because he did not keep the word of the Lord. So, every sin that Saul committed would be summed up in that one word, which is what? Unfaithfulness. So the Bible takes all the sins of Saul and combines them into one word, unfaithfulness. So he, his unfaithfulness was his acts of things that were contrary to the word of the Lord, And the Bible also charges him with not keeping the word of the Lord, right? So there's the both ends of the spectrum. But then, in a category of its own, all the sins of Saul summed up in one word, but then it says, and also because he consulted a medium for guidance. (laughs) So the Bible actually kind of like puts witchcraft in its own camp over here, apart from all the sins. Now let me ask you a question. The sin of homosexuality. Would that be included in unfaithfulness? The sin of adultery. The sin of murder. The sin of, of you know, whatever, whatever you want to say. Lying, stealing, uh, deceiving. All those sins would be wrapped up in that word unfaithfulness. But then witchcraft has its own... It's in a whole other level, you see. And that's why God is so adamant about it. And what, did ha- what happened? He did not inquire of the Lord. Therefore, He what? He killed him. And was it fair for God to do that? Yes, it was. Saul had reached the ultimate depth of desperation. And he in no way was truly looking for an answer from the Lord. He wanted an answer from himself with the Lord's rubber stamp on it. How many people today want to do their own will with the Lord's rubber stamp of approval on it? Remember Balaam? He did that. He said four times, can I go, can I go? The Lord said, nope, nope, nope. And then finally, the Lord said, yeah. You ask the Lord about something that He forbids enough times, and He may not give you permission, but He's going to say, if you're going to do it, do it. All right? We ought to take the word, Lord's Word seriously. Amen? Now, notice this. Here's another verse that I didn't read yesterday. Samuel said, has the Lord... Uh, Great, de- has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, He also has rejected you from being king of Israel. Now, think about that for just a minute. Rebellion is as the sin as what? Witchcraft. So you remember what I told you, disobedience is the very foundation of what? Spiritualism. Remember I told you that. There's the verse that confirms that. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Now notice this statement from First uh, Spirit of Prophecy, page 365. Samuel informed Saul that his rebellion was as the sin of witchcraft. That is, When one commences to travel in the path of rebellion, he yields himself to be controlled by an influence that is in opposition to the will of God. Satan controls the rebellious mind. Those who are thus controlled lose a calm trust in God and have less and less disposition to yield loving obedience to his will. Satan becomes more and more familiar with them until they seem to have no power to cease to rebel. In this respect, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. You remember what I told you that yesterday, that uh, witchcraft, when you do that, you go directly into the realm of Satan. Remember that? But she says here that rebellion is very similar in that it just etches away, and we can still find ourselves in the same place as if we engage in witchcraft itself, you see? That's why it's just just better to obey God. Amen. (laughs) It's just better to do what He says and be done with it. And you'll be happier. You'll be more fulfilled. You'll be more satisfied in your life. How many of you remember that one time that you chased after sin and it turned out fully satisfactory for the long haul? How many of you remember that time? You know why? Because there's never been a time. And sometimes sin produces instant disappointment. I go drink a bottle of vodka and I'm going to start puking my guts out. That's close to instant disappointment. But I may engage in some activity over the long haul and it may seem to produce pleasure in my life. It may seem to give me a heightened sense of control or thoughtfulness or mental faculties or whatever, but ultimately it's going to lead to what? It's going to lead to destruction. That's just the bottom line. There's another text here about Manasseh. Manasseh, was considered one of the most wicked kings of ancient Israel. How many of you would agree with that, right? We, we read about that. And in Second Chronicles 33, 6, why was he labeled such? Also he, Manasseh, caused his sons to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom, and he practiced soothsaying, used witchcraft and sorcery, and consulted mediums and spirits. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, to provoke him to anger. Now, in other passages of Scripture, one of, the, one of the main reasons that he is considered even worse than the other kings is because many of the kings actually did some of these things. Not just that he did it himself, but he actually enticed the people of the nation to also do the same thing. Does that make sense? So he was getting others of all, He was witnessing. He was zealous for his faith wasn't he? Very interesting. Why was God so straightforward and strong-handed about this? Well, we read this yesterday, but it's worth reading again, and then we're launching into our new stuff. We have been pained as we have brought, uh, had brought to our notice papers, advertisers of sorcery and witchcraft, the work of magicians, and all this sort of thing. There is in these manifestations of a power that is above human power, and where is it? It's the power of Satan. And just as soon as you begin to bring yourselves in connection with these sorcerers and give them the least license, you dishonor the God of heaven and imperil your own souls. What is the timeline for that? How quickly do you begin to experience those things? As what? As soon as. So instantaneously. It's not like there's a trial period. Hey, check this out for 30 days. and If you don't like it, you can check out without any consequence or any, any problems for you. No, no, no. As soon as you get involved with it, it begins to be a problem for you. How is Satan working? Here comes these magicians and there is an itching curiosity to go and see. And when they go to see, they bring themselves in how, what kind of communication? Direct communication with the powers of darkness. Again, it's instantaneous. There is no filter. There is no buffer. It's instantaneous. And God's people were doing this on a regular basis. She's not talking here to people of the world, she's actually talking to people, Adventists, who were there in Battle Creek, and they were, some of them were straying away from the faith, and they were going after those things. It's very interesting. Now you might say, well, if there was a, uh, some kind of occult practice or thing that was taking place in my town, I sure wouldn't go, but you'll turn on the television in the evening and watch the same stuff, see? That's the danger. Now, let's go on. This is uh, some new content here uh, that I didn't finish from yesterday. Man, time's already running quickly. Ezekiel 13, verse 18-20. through Notice what God says here. And say, thus says the Lord God, woe to the women who sew magic charms on their sleeves and make veils for the heads of people of every height to hunt souls. I don't understand all the depth of that. But it doesn't sound very good. Will you hunt the souls of my people and keep yourselves alive? Alive, therefore, says the Lord God, behold, I am against your magic charms by which you hunt souls there like birds. I will tear them from your arms and let the souls go—the souls that you hunt like birds. So the bottom line is: How does God feel about any form of magic charms? What does He feel about it? He's not happy about it, is He? Well, I want to talk a little bit about some of these things. I'm not going to get too in-depth with some of this, but I do want to make a few points here. There's something that's becoming very popular in Christianity, and that is spirit crystals. And Many young people are getting into this and not understanding what the real danger is. And I see young people today, even in our churches, that are wearing these things. And what are those things? The the spirit crystals are essentially crystals. They're minerals from the earth. And it's believed that they have special energy in them that gives healing powers to the person that wears them. Or it gives them protection from disease or even, if you're more superstitious, evil spirits or whatever. And this is getting accepted more and more in Christianity. I want to share with you Uh, some statements I found from various news articles. This is from one called, You're Practicing Witchcraft Without Even Knowing It. And this article was just put out, I think it was last year in 2021. Uh, This is from The Signal, which is a, uh, a, a newspaper in Georgia. It says, One of the most prominent of these divine items are crystals. For those practicing Wicca, wrapped crystals act as objects of energy, giving protection and safety. I mostly use my crystals. Uh, I like to charge them in the sun or uh, have them cleansed in water. Then I'll carry them around with me wherever I go to bring their energy with me. I'll light my candles and arrange my crystals around me in a circle so I can channel their energy. So there's this focus around energy. Now I've heard many Christians approach me about this idea of energy. Let me tell you what, friends, that is not biblical. It is not biblical at all. The Bible does not talk about energy. It does talk about uh, herbs and other things, but there's a difference. I'm going to talk about it in a minute, so I'm not going to get into it now. We have a section in the front that pertains mostly to what She's talking about a store that she owns. Our most popular items are usually crystals because they look pretty and they're great for people who are just starting their spiritual path. Notice how the catch is made there. For those who would never engage in open witchcraft, what's the catch with the crystals? They are what? They are pretty. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, my. Uh, I'm not wearing it for all that stuff. I'm just wearing it because it's pretty. Well, it doesn't matter. If I say to myself, I'm not drinking alcohol to get drunk. I just like the taste. See what I'm saying? I don't like... I don't smoke cigarettes because they do something to my body. I just like the smell of them. Well, I don't think that works that way. Crystals, and notice this, crystals aren't solely used in Wicca. People have long believed that they enhance spiritual growth and bring good luck. Romans would use them to bring them good fortune when heading into battle. Chinese would use needles tipped with crystals for acupuncture. And Egyptians would use them in rituals for burying the dead. So crystals are not some new thing. I want to tell you, all the stuff that's happening today, the the people who are the heads of the wicked and the occult group, they know there's nothing new under the sun. See? But for the longest time, that stuff was forbidden by social and cultural Christianity. You know, they used to hunt witches and burn them at the stake. You know, there's stories behind that too that weren't so favorable towards the Christians. But the point is, is that society and culture did not permit it. But now we're entering into an age where it is permitted, it is socially acceptable, and it is socially recommended. However, What's interesting is that the vast majority of the people who are getting engaged in it think it's new. Oh, this is just some new cool thing. It's fun. It's innocent. It's pretty. And it's, but it's also deadly. Today, wrapped crystal jewelry isn't restricted to any one religion. It can be seen around the necks of many of the hottest celebrities and is sold everywhere from Urban Outfitters to Walmart it is kind of weird seeing this trend take off and then people don't even realize that some of the things they're doing are part of being a Wiccan. Notice that last statement. It's very interesting to see it take off and that people don't even realize that some of the things they're doing are part of being a Wiccan. That's that's the danger of it. Okay, That's the danger of it is that people are engaging in things and not even knowing it. Now, it's interesting, I found this other article online that many people in Christian circles, the more conservative circles, are, are, do not believe this way. And you'll find plenty of articles about that. They condemn these things. But many circles of Christianity are now accepting it. This is from uh, tr- Trinity uh, School. They have a school, a Bible school, and a healing school. Uh, and the article is entitled, "It's not New, It's True." And it's talking about crystals and Christianity. And I say this because, you know, many people today I've seen people around camp meeting wearing these things. Notice what this article says. Some people are reluctant to use crystals because they don't see them being used for healing in the Bible. X-rays, MRIs, EKG machines or ultrasounds weren't used or talked about in the Bible either but we don't have any problems using them. The the difference is is that we're not seeking to bring healing and, and energy into people. We're using them to detect something. There's a vast difference between those two. While there isn't any passage in Scripture that I have found that shows someone using crystals, stones, or rocks for healing, we can clearly see that they were highly valued and used and worn for spiritual purposes. It is through scientific discovery and research that we have learned to use things like radium, lithium, and so forth for medical benefits because crystals put off uplifting frequencies and we can use them for the benefit of our health. Now, so what this person is saying is just because it's not written explicitly in the Bible must mean it's okay to do it. It's not that big of a deal. And there's other trends today where people say, oh, it's not explicit. But the principle is there. To use any form of nature to try to bend the powers of nature to satisfy your own uh, whatever or to bring uh, some type of impact into your life, the Bible says no, you see. So what's the difference between crystals and herbs? The difference is is that that thing is already there. It's the actual physical thing itself that has some kind of element in it that I'm absorbing into my body. I'm not trying to exert some type of energy out of that thing to bring healing to me. That's the difference. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a big difference between those two things. And, and the Bible does explicitly say use herbs for some kind of different kinds of healing. There's examples of that. There are no examples of crystals in the Bible, and the Bible gives plenty of admonition against it. It would be included in those things called charms. What about other things? Like incense. Incense is often used for that. Even various forms of essential oils. Now, am I saying that every essential oil is bad? No, I'm not saying that. If you're just using it to freshen the air or something like that. But if you're, some of them have much uh, more specific uses like for energy and for, for healing and those kinds of things. Now, I'm not, if you use a little bit of eucalyptus oil on your, on your temple for, for a headache, eucalyptus or to help you breathe that's a whole different thing that's more like using uh, an herb but if i'm trying to exert power out of it or energy out of it that there's a strong difference between the two the same thing with these balance bracelets and people will swear by them the electromagnetic electromagnetic energy and this type of thing and they say oh well you know it's it's the same type of thing i'm trying to bend nature and exert out of it a form of healing people say well i'm just trying to get healed I'm just trying to help myself. What's wrong with that? Nothing. If you use the means that God has ordained, you read the book Ministry of Healing, it tells you all kinds of stuff to help improve your health. We're not called as God's people to go out chasing after these gimmicks and charms and these various forms of spiritualism. We're just not called to do that. Okay? Some of you may disagree with me. That's okay. But I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Now, I remember when I was studying with this guy, I was studying with a gentleman, and uh, we studied the Bible. He's a fascinating story. I wish I had time to tell you the whole story. I actually met him at a gas station. He was pumping gas at Sam's Club and tried to sign me up for a credit card. And I actually had the name of of an Adventist ministry on there. And he said, oh, what's that? And I won't tell you which one because it's a a sister and loving rival of It Is Written. And uh, this was years ago. And I said, well, it's a Christian ministry. And he said, oh, wow. He said, I just became a brand new Christian. And he says to me, have you ever heard of a person named Roger Moore? Blah, 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 blah. And I know the name, but he was struggling to find that. I said, Roger Moore, no. He said, yes. And I said, well, a- absolutely. I said, he's a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. He said, he's a Seventh-day Adventist? He said, man, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been studying the Bible... And I believe what Adventists believe. And I said, oh, really? I said, well, I actually happen to be an Adventist minister. He says, you're, a, you're an Adventist. He says, a real live Adventist. And I said, yes. He says, you're the first real one I've ever actually met. And so I said, hey, why don't we study the, start studying the Bible together? He said, sure. So we started studying, and he would tell me deep things that are only found in the spirit of prophecy. And I said, how do you know these things? Like... Do you have you been reading any books other than the Bible? And he says, No, I just read the Bible. I says, How did you learn that? He said, Well, I would read something from the Bible and I would pray that God would give me understanding, and He just started bringing thoughts to my mind, and I, I thought, Wow! And this young man is baptized in the church today. He lives in the Grand Rapids area, and uh, it's really a miracle. He's one of the most, uh, one of the most, I don't know, sincere and earnest young men I've ever met, but. We started studying this topic a little bit. And he, he, or he was expressing to me his desire to get out of some of those things that he had been involved with. And he said, I've gotten rid of almost everything, but there's one thing I haven't gotten rid of. He said, and it's this amulet. And it was a little amulet with some kind of you know neo-pagan symbolism or something on it. And it was on, a, it was on a little rope and he wore it as a necklace. And he said, this thing has power over me He said, I can't break free from it. I need you to take it from me. And I said to him what I said to the young lady. I said, do you give me permission to take this? And he said, yes. And he reached out and it was like this. And I went to grab it and he was like (laughs) doing the same thing. He was kind of like pulling it and I just pulled it right out of his hand. And I said, we're going to have prayer and I'm going to leave. And he said, this thing has given me certain powers that I've had before. So we prayed together and got on our knees and asked that God would really do something miraculous for him. And uh, I left, and I I was at that point in time driving a truck, and I threw that thing in the bed of the truck because I wasn't going to bring it up front with me. And I thought to myself, I'm going to get home, I'm going to melt this thing down and get rid of it. Well, I got busy, and I forgot. Blah, 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 I glanced in the back, and there it was. Well, within ten days... Of me having this thing in the back of my truck i had two parts on my engine brake almost a brand new truck and i had two flat tires and i had to fix all that stuff and then i remembered i walked by and saw that thing i took it straight out to my burn pile i built a fire i put it in a tin can and i melted it down to nothing and guess what i didn't have any more problems with my truck And I'm not saying that there's a connection there. I don't know for sure. I'm just telling you what happened. You can draw your own conclusions. But my point is this stuff is not to be messed with. Amulets, charms, crystals, bracelets, any of that stuff, get rid of it if you have it. Don't let it in your house. God wants you to get rid of it. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 47. Isaiah chapter 47. And uh, a very, very powerful passage. It speaks to our day today as well. And uh, it was too long for me to put on slides, so we'll just read it right out of the Bible. Isaiah 47, 8-14. through 14. Notice what it says. Therefore, hear this now, you who are given to pleasures, who dwell secret uh, securely, who say in your heart, I am, and there is no one else besides Me. No, who else said that? Who else said, I am, there is no another beside Me? God said that. But here's people who view themselves as little gods, and they're saying the same thing that God says. I shall not sit as a widow, nor shall I know the loss of children, but these two things come to you in a moment, and one day the loss of your children and widowhood shall come upon you in their fullness because of the multitude of your what? Your sorceries, the great abundance of your enchantments, for you have trusted in your wickedness, and you have said, no one else sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge have warped you, and you have said in your heart, I am, and there is no one else beside Me. So God says, your wisdom and your knowledge have what? What has it done? <clears throat> it has warped you. And if you look in the original Hebrew, it literally means led you astray. So these things lead us astray. And notice what He says. I'm going to drop down to verse 12. Stand now with your enchantments, and the multitude of your sorceries which you have labored from your youth, perhaps you will be able to profit. Perhaps you will prevail. You are wearied in the multitude of your counsels. Let now the astrologers and the stargazers and the monthly prognosticators. What does that sound like to you? Horoscopes and modern day whatever stand up and give you, save you from what shall come upon you. Behold, they shall be as what stubble. The fire shall burn them. They shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame. It shall not be a coal to warm by. There shall not be a coal to warm by, nor a fire to sit beside. So, what does God specifically speak about, especially in the last days? Horoscopes and all this stuff that's associated with astrology and stargazing. Now, astronomy is different. It's the study of the stars. It's science. That's fine. But when we start to put spiritual implications to it, it becomes astro- astrology. astronomy. It becomes astrology, which is not good news. The monthly, the monthly horoscopes, when you have your birthday, and depending upon your month, the Sagittarius and Gemini and Taurus and all these different things, God says no to. I'm not going to fall off. Praise the Lord. But there are people today who are chasing after them, and I see Christians all the time talking about this stuff. Now, I want you to notice here, uh, the, uh, this is just something I looked up. There's a one lady called the Hood Witch. And she practices everyday magic and posts daily horoscopes and witch tips. She has nearly 500,000 followers on Instagram. This is one of the dangers of social media. I'm not saying you shouldn't have social media, Because you can promote the gospel on it, but one of the other the the downsides is that there are people who you would never see or never hear of this woman who now has five hundred thousand, half a million followers promoting this type of stuff. See, and uh, what's interesting is there's the hashtag on Instagram, witches of Instagram. It's become a popular marketplace for witch shopping. You buy your own witch. There's another gentleman, Michael Cardenas, who uh, is living in California. He has a little shop and he sells 40-minute tarot card readings for $85, $55 for a spell consultation, and $150 to $500 to actually cast a spell. Isn't that interesting? The occult business sells more than $2 billion of paraphernalia per year two billion and there's only there's only two million plus witches in north america two billion dollars mind-blowing how consumed people are with this stuff notice this our article about this gentleman It says michael cardenas tracks to the san diego river with honey flowers and champagne in tow he leaves these offerings for a love spell on the riverbed and checks with the Spirit to make sure they've accepted it. Then he goes back home where he does most of his actual spell work and leaves another offering on the altar of his client. Then every single day for 14 to 21 days, I am going to go and I'm going to do energy work around it. It's intense, he says. He's a professional witch and has been practicing more than 15 years. He owns a certain business in San Diego where he offers spell work and tarot readings. He's part of a growing trend of New Age beliefs. Things like psychic readings, astrology, and tarot cards, and so forth. I want you to notice this. Notice this. He says, he says. Uh, he meditates on it. He leaves offerings at the altar, and he meditates on it for an hour a day. And sometimes he contacts his client and tells him to do something like a spiritual bath. He divines with the Spirit and determines what offerings are to be left. It's very involved, he says. That's why I charge. The reason I share this with you is because look how dedicated this man is to this. He says, I'll meditate at least an hour a day on it. Are you meditating on the life of Christ for an hour a day? He's actively engaged with his clients. Are you actively engaged with your neighbors about the Gospel? Is this man more zealous about the occult than you are about Christianity and the Bible Jesus Christ? That's my question for you this morning, you see. This man, these people are dedicated, they're serious about it. And we often just are flippant or Laodicea or lukewarm about our faith. They're more dedicated than God's people are, many times. Now, I noticed this sentence. This was also in that article, and I find this mind blowing. What was once a crime punished by execution is now a well-established part of mainstream U.S. culture. That is terrifying if you ask me. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and this is not a political statement, but in 2019 revealed that she consults an astrologer to give her guidance. And if you think, oh well, you're you're just some Republican whatever, no, no, no. Nancy Reagan in the 80s did the same thing. Hillary Clinton will not say whether she does or doesn't, which means she does. Um, Eleanor Roosevelt, uh, FDR's wife, even back in those days, consulted <clears throat> a medium regularly for guidance. Many politicians and Hollywood stars and film writers and songwriters and all those people, are, many of them are engaged in these things. And this is how the devil takes hold of the whole earth, and is able to bring together the whole earth in the system of Babylon in the last days. He's doing it through this one channel. I find it very interesting. Now I want you to notice something here. <clears throat> we got to move because running out of time. Whatever I don't cover today, I'll cover tomorrow. Witchcraft. This all this. Witchcraft isn't just for Halloween anymore. Uh, and what the point is is that this is. A daily practice. Now, notice this article. This is mind blowing to me. It says Intermill pointed to Cleveland Pagan Pride Day, which attracted this happened just last year, which attracted 4,500 attendees this past August. It was 2021. Held annually, the festival benefits the pagan community as well as local what food banks much as other faith events do. In 2021, Cleveland pagans donated 2,400 pounds of non-perishable foods to Southeast Clergy Hunger Center. Notice what it says. Southeast what? (laughs) Clergy. Witches are in every community doing charitable work throughout the year, not just in October. We often think That we give a sandwich to a homeless guy with a smile on our face, and we've done the work of Jesus. And maybe you have. I'm not saying to do that is not the work of Jesus. Okay? I also have a seminar on atheism in which we talk about how atheists do, they have organized chapters and they do benevolent work with smiles on their faces. And many times people come into our places and our churches and whatnot, and we run them out with our nasty attitudes. And I'm not saying everybody does this, but there's always a few in every church. You understand what I'm saying? But to but to just do bene- just to do charitable work doesn't it, it, it is one fruit of Christianity, but it doesn't demonstrate that you're a Christian because witches are doing it and atheists are doing it in many ways, probably more organized ways and with a better attitude than many of us in our own church. I'm going to tell you that what marks the difference between us and them is bottom line, the Spirit of God dwelling in the life. And it's a transformed life. I could say more about that, but we're going to move. God says here, Deuteronomy 13, If there rises among you a prophet or dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, then you shall what? You shall what? You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God, and fear Him, and keep His commandments, and obey His voice, and you shall serve Him, and hold fast to Him." That is the mark of a Christian. To love the God of heaven with all your soul, with all your heart, and with all your mind. And to hold fast to Him. It doesn't mean with a bad attitude. It means with a sweet spirit. Amen? So when we approach these people, we're not saying you're going to hell for doing all that stuff. No, it's to embrace them and love them as a person while staying far from their practices. You understand what I mean here? And I'll say maybe more about that tomorrow. But I want you to notice here, if there is something about this thing that, that, that there may be people who seem sweet, who seem innocent. And the mantra in today's culture is, whether it's homosexuality, or whether it's this or whatever it is, you just need to hear their story. Have you heard that before? The devil knows the power of a great story. He knows the power of it. And if you just hear the story, if you just hear their struggles, then you'll begin to sympathize with them. I will always sympathize with any person in any struggle of sin with compassion and love for them. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to begin agreeing with that practice, and I'm going to begin endorsing it and embracing it. So to love a person, and to be compassionate towards a person who's tripped up in any sin, does not mean we have to be sympathetic to the practice of the sin. We can be sympathetic and compassionate to the person, but not the act of sin itself. Are you with me? Do you see that? And so, I don't, I don't need to hear their story. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying I wouldn't listen to them. But the story itself is not going to move me because the Word of God has already established me. And the Word of God is clear. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love that person. It doesn't mean that God doesn't embrace that person. It doesn't mean that He's cast them off and forsaken them. But God does call us to cast away and forsake sin. And in any form of practicing it, we will not enter the Kingdom of Heaven. And so, it is essential that people understand the Gospel. Because everybody says, well, I have this trend, or I have that trend, or since I've been little, I've been interested in that. It doesn't matter how you were born. You can be born again. And when you're born again, God replaces all of those things with a, with, 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 with a new heart. Doesn't mean the tendency goes away because we have a carnal nature. See? The tendency may still be there. The temptation may still be there. But God plants within us a new heart with His power to overcome those things. Doesn't mean we might not struggle. Doesn't mean we may not stumble at times. But the pattern of our life is not going to be those things anymore. Whether it's witchcraft, whether it's sexual practices, Whether whatever it is, whether it's addiction to this, that, or the other, alcohol, it doesn't matter. God has the power to deliver His people. Amen? He has the power. And when they say to you, seek those who are mediums and wizards, this is Isaiah 8, verses 19 and on, should not a people seek their God? Amen? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? To the law, to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no what. Well, and I said this yesterday. But notice, we always use that text all the time. They speak not according to this word. Whether it, and we often will use that for people who defend Sunday or whatever. But the context of this passage is spiritualism. Spiritualism. They will pass through it, hard pressed and hungry. It shall happen when they are hungry, that they will be enraged and curse their King and their God and look upward. And they will look to the earth and see the trouble and darkness, gloom of anguish, and they will be driven into darkness. I ask you today, should not a people seek their God? Amen. God is the only One that offers light, who offers hope, who offers peace. Notice here in Signs of the Times, November 6, 1884, What she says leads to spiritualism. And you cannot help it. Notice what she says. Neglect of prayer leads men to rely upon their own strength and opens the door to temptation. In many cases, the imagination is captivated by scientific research. And I'll add to that, you know, movies or whatever in this day and age. And men are flattered through the consciousness of their own powers. We've seen that in some of the articles of what they say. The sciences which treat the human mind are very much exalted <clears throat> they are good in their place but they are seized upon by satan as his powerful agents to deceive and destroy souls his arts are accepted as from heaven and he thus receives the worship which suits him well note it's very interesting that that in today's world people are making the they're, they're trying to cross over these practices into christianity and then once they're there they defend them christians defending harry potter Christians defending Lord of the Rings, Christians defending crystals, or any form of media or practice. People today who say, I'm a Christian, are now defending those things. That's why USA Today could report that 62% of Americans believe in some form of New Age practice. Very mind-blowing. The world which is supposed to be benefited so much by these things never was so corrupt as now Through these things, virtue is destroyed and the foundations of what? Spiritualism are laid. So what she says, corrupt science leads to spiritualism. And neglect of prayer leads to spiritualism. Do we see a prevailing practice of both in the world today? What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Jesus said, I am the what? The way, the truth, and the life. Now, I was going to close... I was going to get into the New Testament and we didn't. We'll do that tomorrow. But uh, I, I know that we can cover both topics tomorrow, so I'm not too worried about that. But I want to tell you a story. We have about, two, about three minutes left. And uh, this story is true about a good friend of mine. And he was <clears throat> training to be a minister and he got frustrated and he ended up leaving the church. And he began to practice witchcraft and sorcery. He flew all the way across the country to Colorado. Boulder, Colorado is kind of a stronghold for spiritualism today. If you've never understood that, it's true. And he actually ended up living for some time with a practicing witch. This was a Seventh-day Adventist young man grew up in the church. My friend, I'm not going to name any names here, but my friend who was an ordained minister woke up in the middle of the night with a strong sense that this young man was in great danger. His life was in peril. He did some research and he did some whatever and he found out where he was and he got on a plane and he went to pick up this young man. He knocked on the door of the house where he was with the witch. And the witch opens the door and says, Hello! Death is our friend. (laughs) And my friend says, as a minister of the Gospel, I'm here to tell you today that death is not our friend. And not only is it not our friend, it's actually our enemy. I want my... And he named his name. I want him. Where is he? And the witch said, you can't have him. He's mine now. And my friend said, move out of the way. I'm here to get him. He's going with me. And the witch said, no, he's going to stay here with me. I'm not moving and you're not coming in. And my friend said, uh, one of the few times in his life, he used force. And I believe it's acceptable at times to use force in these types of situations. He said he took that person and he pushed them aside out of the way and he went into the house and he found, it was his his brother-in-law, found his brother-in-law in the back room uh, hiding, as the witch had told him to do, he said, Get up and let 's go we 're out of here. They got out in the car, much to the um, to the protest of the witch, but they got and she was you know calling out curses and whatever, and they got in the car and they began to drive back to where they lived, a couple of thousand miles away, all the way across the country, after they had driven several hundred miles. They stopped in a random place and went into a store. Neither one of them had ever been to that place before. And as they were walking around, a person came up to that young man, called him by name, and said, why are you leaving us? You need to come with me right now. You think the devil has his network? That young man said, okay, and started to walk away with them. My friend, I think the Lord gave him some intuition, sensed that something was happening. He looked over and saw him going off with this man. And he ran over there and grabbed him. He said, you're not leaving. He said, yes, I'm going with him. No, you're not. You're staying with me. And so he got back home and he said, he took him out into the wilderness and to a very desolate place in the woods with, the, with the nature. And for over two weeks, they stayed there. And he made him sit on a rock and read the Bible almost all day long. And this young man, by the grace of God, was delivered. And he began to memorize hundreds and hundreds of Scriptures. And he's, and he's a minister to this day. He's now going to be a missionary. How I many you can say amen? And uh, the, let me tell you, the power of this stuff is real. It, it, it gets implanted in people and it sucks out their life. But the power of the Gospel is greater than those things. The power of Jesus. Death could not retain Jesus in the grave because His life was perfect. His life was righteous. And there's power in Him. We're going to see that through the New Testament tomorrow. God's power in that. And then we're going to see it in modern culture and the dangers that you may have sitting in your living room right now. How many of you think we need more of the power of the Gospel? I do you think we need more resurrection power of Jesus? I don't think you need the living Christ dwelling in your hearts through faith and the Spirit of God leading you and away from it? you don't need charms and you don't need crystals and you don't need all these different things, incense to keep the spirits away. You just need to have the Holy Spirit in your life, and God's gonna guard you. Amen. He's gonna keep you. And I'd rather trust in him than any of that garbage today. We don't need that stuff because we have Jesus Christ and He is one with us and He is one for us and He is with us. Amen? How many you think that's a wonderful thing? Let's stand together and pray and ask the Lord's blessing to be with us. Father in heaven, we thank You today. We rejoice in Your power. We rejoice that Jesus is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. And we sense today that the dark clouds are gathering, that the darkness of the earth is getting greater and greater, the Spirit of God, we're told, is being withdrawn from the earth. But as the Spirit of God is withdrawn from the earth, and the Spirit of darkness closes in, the Spirit of God within us grows more powerful every day. And, the, and day by day, we're being renewed. The inner man is being renewed to be more and more like Jesus so that in a world of darkness, we can stand as light in the darkness. The light of Your glory shining upon our face, the light of Your glory shining in our hearts, will prevail against the darkness, and we will be Your witnesses on this earth, and we will be Your representatives. That is our prayer. That is our hope. That is Your plan. And we ask it to be fulfilled in us. In Jesus' name, Amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio 22 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcasts.